It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. playoff time so why can i not play it you know what i'm saying welcome to the dynasty pulse podcast i am joshua johnson with me as always is nick hale for the redskins like nick what's up buddy oh josh it's fantasy playoff time it's a crazy time of year uh, i'm actually going to be starting a guy bryce brown that wasn't even on a nfl roster last week so you know that's how crazy the fantasy playoffs can be sometimes <laughs> how are you doing today oh i'm also considering Bryce Brown since I just lost Thomas Rawls in, a, in one league too. So uh, uh, I guess I just close my eyes and hope the system works for him. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, we are now, you know, either one or two rounds deep into the fantasy playoffs for most leagues, and uh, we're uh, we're rewarding you guys that are still going with a little sit or start madness today. We're going to go through every game and talk about a lot of players, both offensive and defensive. So uh, I don't know how long we're going to be here, uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to we're going to do it the best we can. Um, and I do want to preface this with uh, I my our good friends over at Her Fantasy uh, FB podcast. It's a group of ladies over there. Uh, Brandon, Ashley, and Courtney, they, this, they do this every week where they go through all the games. So this wasn't necessarily totally my idea, and I'm sure other podcasts do that, but it's kind of kind of where I got the idea. And I thought now more than ever, it has to be, uh, has to be extremely important to uh, just look at all your options. And hopefully we can find some guys that may be on the waiver wire for you or, or whatnot. So um, uh, besides, you know, Besides some quick thoughts, we're just going to get right into that. Obviously, pretty ecstatic with the Khalil Mack's uh, five sacks and uh, lost in the uh, Titans getting getting blown out by the Jets was Marcus Mariota catching his first touchdown pass. Did you see that, Nick? I did see that, yeah. Uh, you know, not too exciting when you're down by as much as they were down at that point in the game. But, hey, good for him. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, most definitely. 
Um, so uh, a little bit of a different format. Like I said, we're going to go through all the games. We're going to start with half, and then we're going to take a break and do a Dynasty Dilemma as we pit Thomas Rawls versus 2016 prospect and Heisman Trophy winner, Derek Henry. That's right. I'm already pumping up my guy. Uh, Nick's going to rant. I do have some pro- other prospect profiles for you as well as we take a look at uh, La Tech running back Kenneth Dixon and Suba Cravens, a linebacker, possibly safety at the next level for the USC Trojans. I screwed up. I don't know who LaTeX's mascot is. I want to say Bulldogs. It sounds too easy, though. Um, and then we're going to do uh, Sitter Start Madness Round 2 as we hit the rest of the games. And, of course, we're going to go through all the games again as Ch- Mr. Chuck Podaisky stops by. Uh, the odd man himself, the voice, the Las Vegas voice of the Dynasty Pulse podcast as we pick all the games against the spread as we also do each and every week. Uh, Thursday night, Todd Gurley and company are hosting the Bucks. Nick, what what do you think? Who who are you looking at in this game? Obviously, I told people to start start Gurley last week, and I questioned and answer, so uh, I guess you should listen to Nick on this one. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not in love with anybody, but I think there's guys like Mike Evans, who especially now with Vincent Jackson's out, is probably going to see more targets. So if you have a guy like him, you probably don't have anybody better. Same with Doug Martin. He only had 11 touches last week. That's that's a rare a rarity. Usually he gets a lot the ball a lot more than that. You know, and I do kind of like Charles Sims as a sleeper. He's coming off a six catch for 64 yards uh, last week. The Rams gave up 11 catches to running backs against Detroit last week. So I think Sims could, uh, in PPR leagues anyway, have some value. Uh, Todd Gurley is really the only Ram I want on offense. And defensively, you might want to look at, of course, Aaron Donald with three sacks last week, 11 on the year. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I think I would sit all, all the Rams. Yeah, um, I suppose if you're really desperate to quarterback style, you can probably find Case Keenum around somewhere. Um, I really like the Charles Sims comment, though. I think he's a pretty big uh, X factor in this in this offense. And like you said, gave up a lot of receptions to guys last week in Detroit. Yeah, obviously Sims can be that that Theo Riddick type of player. Um, I don't know how I was searching for something on Twitter, and I I saw a bunch of anti-Charles Sims comments from some t- Tampa Bay fans that say that he's he's stealing production away from Doug Martin, and Doug Martin could be having such a, an amazing year, even though he's already having a great year. I'm just like, well, hey, uh, he's healthy. <laughs> and, he's, and he's in the top five in rushing. I would just be happy with that. Um, I kind of like Austin Safarian Jenkins in this. I don't know who um, who the Rams have to match up with them. Maybe, uh, you know, possibly Mark Barron. Uh, but I know they really like to use Baron to hover around the line of scrimmage as well. So um, I do I do like him as a start in this game. Um, uh, you know, there's some pretty quality players in the secondary for Tampa, but I just, I don't know if he could really start him because I don't know how much they're going to throw the ball. Uh, with Case Keenum, this offense, you know, they, they won this game last week on the shoulders of Gurley, and obviously – as I neglected to say last week, he is probably just a must start now going forward. And, uh, uh, so that, like Nick said, he's probably really the only person you could trust. Um, interesting thing talking about this Tampa defense. I uh, heard uh, coach Billick, coach Brian Billick talking about what made his 98 offense, uh, for the Vikings. So, uh, so awesome is he said they just had, not only did they have awesome playmakers, but they had a nice, uh, all different shapes and sizes of playmakers. So I just thought, you know, maybe with these 
pillars that Tampa has with this uh, with this offense with Evans and Jackson and, and the huge ASJ, I, maybe they need a little slot receiver in the draft. Maybe they need the Corey Coleman type out out of out of Baylor. Maybe he can be that guy that can you know take that edge off the defense. And that uh, he's given given James Winston another weapon that's pretty pretty substantial. You didn't mention Winston, Nick. What do you think about uh, Winston in this game here? Uh, Pretty pretty solid front seven. It's not as strong as it has been, uh, but pretty solid, especially uh, uh, up front with uh, Donald. What, what do you think about Winston in this game? Um, I would try to find somebody else. I just don't really trust him. The Rams do have a pretty solid defense, like you mentioned. Uh, they held Matt Stafford to under 250 yards passing last week. So if you have another option, I would probably try to avoid starting with And you also have the, third, the short week playing on a Thursday. That could be tough for the rookie, too. Mm, yeah. But I know no Robert Quinn, no Alec Ogletree. So, I mean, it could be a lot. This defense could be a lot more solid and a lot of injuries at corner, too. So. Um, any other any other people? Levante David continues to be questionable, but I think if he's got a helmet on Sunday, you got to play him. That's just what it boils down to, because you know he's he's not a guy that's going to play at fifty percent. He's going to give it his all. Uh, any any more thoughts on this game? Uh, no, and you know what? To be honest, I didn't do a whole lot on defensive players as far as uh, research. Yeah, at this time of year, you pretty much know who your guys are on defense and when you can trust them and what kind of teams you can't trust them against. But, you know, yeah. to sit start on sense. defense is a little more of a I, – I, I tinker a lot more in the beginning of the season than I do this time of year for defensive players. Mm-hmm. And then there's that best ball format. Uh, that's really nice. Sometimes. Uh, the Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. little Saturday night NFL action with college football on the on the shelf for a couple of weeks, at least, uh, at least the major bowl games that people care about. Um, what do you think about this one? Fitzpatrick ready well, to go off? Yeah, he could be. You know, the New York Jets have actually scored over 100 points more than Dallas this season. I love Chris Ivory in this matchup, and I'm also definitely starting Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker if I have either of them. Uh, and on the Dallas side of the football, I think Darren McFadden's the only player I'd trust, and maybe Jason Witten as a high-floor, low-ceiling type of guy. But you know what, Daryl Revis or no Revis, I'm sitting Des Bryant. Matt Castle is just simply unable to get him the ball. One catch for nine yards last week. Uh, Castle himself only had 114 yards passing. And uh, moving over to the Jets, uh, uh, Bilal Powell, uh, 50, uh, 5 for 46 uh, through the air, plus 36 rushing yards last week. But I expect the Jets to kind of be in control of this game, so they're not going to need to throw the ball as much. I think that could limit his opportunities. So even in PPR, I would probably sit Powell this week. You know, Ivory is an a guy too. Speaking of Jets running backs, that you, you want to trust, and you think that they could, you know, just hand it off to him a bunch in this game in the second half. But he just hasn't. He's he's lost something. You know, he's been healthy all year for the first time ever. You know, when he played for the Saints, it seemed like he would erupt for two or three games and then just disappear for a couple months and then you know do the same thing again. Uh, we're seeing him healthy all year. But his production has certainly gone down. But they they haven't really needed it with with Marshall and Decker just doing absolute damage on the outside. So uh, you know, with that being the case, um, 
maybe maybe Byron Jones is a, is a decent start. Uh, obviously, uh, Barry Church could be as well, um, and uh, JJ Wilcox too back in there in the back end. Uh, Sean Lee continues if he's if he's playing continues to be productive, and uh, Rolanda McLean as well. Um, the Jets, Muhammad Wilkerson, obviously he's a he's a must start. Uh, you know, Richardson and Leonard Williams kind of kind of go back and forth. To, and who's going to be productive that day. Uh, I actually really like uh, Calvin Pryor in this game, too. I think he's finally fully healthy and doing doing some good things for this for this offense, or excuse me, for this defense, and that, uh, you know, with a guy like Castle, uh, where he's not necessarily a, a deep ball threat, he's going to, they're going to try to a lot of smaller, you know, shorter throws, little slants and whatnot. Uh, I think, Pryor could certainly hover around the offense, offensive line. Excuse me, the line of scrimmage and make some make some plays in this game. Um, still, still impressed by Dan Bailey's field goal a couple weeks ago. So if you have to have to start a kicker, maybe maybe they can maybe they can uh, get in uh, get in a uh, range for Dan Bailey to kick like three or four fifty yard field goals. How about that? Um, moving forward, real oh, quick, I uh, I, there is one thing. Yeah. There is one thing that concerns me a little bit about New York Jets defenders this week, and that's the fact that Dallas was only able to get 11 first downs last week. If they can't move the ball at all, that's going to limit opportunities. If the Jets' defense isn't on the field because they're forcing three and outs, you're not going to get a lot of points. Yeah, maybe maybe hope for a big pick six from Calvin Pryor or something like that. Um, the Carolina Panthers, the undefeated Carolina Panthers, Really, the improbably undefeated Carolina Panthers. You know, when Kelvin Benjamin got hurt this preseason, everybody was just like, oh, that sucks for them. <laughs> so it really sucked for our buddy uh, Bill Servi, who owns him in like 10 dynasty leagues. But uh, they persevered. I, You know, when, uh, a month ago when we talked about all the undefeated couple months ago probably now when we talked about all the undefeated teams and how you, how you could beat them, I really didn't see Carolina being the last left of the undefeated I thought their lack of receiver depth, excuse me, would uh, would eventually come around to hurt them. But my gosh, it, you know this New York Giants secondary is terrible anyway. So, geez, we can see a couple fifty-yard TD passes from Ted Ginn in this one. What or can he catch this from Ted Ginn? What do, what do you think about this game, Carolina at the Giants? Tell me this. Tell well, me to sit, Eli, please. <laughs> yeah, I I would probably sit, Eli. The only thing you're hoping for is garbage time. I think. Uh, Carolina is just playing on a different level from everybody else in the NFC right now. You know, there's no surprises here for me. I'm starting Cam Newton if I have him, Greg Olson, and and you mentioned Ted Ginn. If you're going to take a flyer on a Carolina receiver, he's probably the most likely to find the end zone. Um, Odell Beckham, you know, he's going to face Josh Norman. That scares you a little bit, but he can't sit a guy like Beckham. Don't expect 200 yards and three touchdowns from him, but I think you still probably start him. And uh, the fact that he does line up against Josh Norman means the other targets, uh, guys like the tight end Ty, could see a slight uptick in targets. I'd probably start a guy like him. Uh, Reuben Randall, I just can't trust him. I know he scored last week, but he he's just been so up and down this year. I, I think I would try to avoid Reuben Randall if I could. And, of course, the New York Giants running backs. You, you can't trust any of them. They just spread the ball around on all those guys so much. Tough to tough to count on any of them. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah, – you could have thought that the Tennessee cluster was bad. That Giants is – oh, man, they're becoming almost worse than the Patriots because, you know, unfortunate for the Patriots, but at least they have 
we keep losing people to injury, so it <laughs> keeps getting less and less bodies, although I see, I hear they are working out Steven Jackson today, so we'll see if something becomes of that. But uh, Yeah, what a great matchup is get you know the two of the premier players going up against each other in Beckham and Norman uh Norman coincidentally could be a free agent if Carolina doesn't take care of him some point in time here in the next couple months um and the Raiders could really use a shutdown corner uh but uh he's gonna he's obviously gonna demand a lot of money it's a guy that's been around for a couple of years and obviously now certainly figured some things out but uh yeah, what a great matchup to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know how anybody could ever bench Beckham because I think even if they don't get you know get him down the field for a 40-yard reception, he's certainly going to see a lot of quick hit slant action. I think they'll probably try a lot of that to maybe test out Norman here and there. Um, but that yeah certainly doesn't doesn't mean that you can start Ruben Randall with any type of confidence at all either. Um, I would love to I should have checked to see how tight ends are doing against Carolina but Willie Ty has certainly, certainly still been productive for this or excuse me for this offense and I think that plays that could come into fa- factor here if uh, the Giants somehow you know, move the ball on this Carolina defense with any kind of consistency I could see Willie Ty getting a little red zone action Uh Obviously, there's some studs in the Carolina defense. Um, Coney Eva, you cannot find any consistency, but uh, this Giants offensive line is not the greatest. Um, if you have you know, Funchess or, like I said earlier, Ginn or Katri, you know, in some deeper leagues, if you have those guys, just, just play them. Because this defensive secondary for the Giants is terrible. Um, they got some guys that are playmakers, but they just – they. They have to make plays because they're always giving up giving up deep balls and uh, yeah it's not not a good situation there. I'll see if they can shore that up. I do I do like Landon Collins for the Giants defense as I always do. Uh, Jonathan Casillas is another guy that's making a lot of plays right now uh, at linebacker. He's kind of come on here towards the last half of the year. So if you have an injury you're dealing with, there are some guys that you just can't seem to get any consistency out of. Uh, Casillas is a guy I know that's av- available. I think even available in our 16 team league right now so certainly somebody to to look at and you know he might not be a bad future piece for the next couple of years as well just because this Giants defense needs needs a player like that to be uh, consistent um moving on I can bench Eli for Derek Carr I mean we're, you, you okay with that it's Green Bay Green Bay is vulnerable right yeah, yeah, I think I'd pro- probably go with uh, with Carr over Eli this week. All right. Um, moving forward, what do you think about, uh, oh, Buffalo at your Washington Redskins? Well, uh, Tyrod Taylor is a guy I look at. He's got a really high floor with the rushing yards that he uh, provides. He had 53 last week. He's got an elite wide receiver to work with and Sammy Watkins, who, by the way, is also a start. And he's facing a defense that gave up 300 yards passing last week to Jay Cutler on a Bears team that's been decimated by injuries at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, so I would look at those guys to start with. 
Uh, Jordan Reed for the Redskins, of course, is a start. Jamison Crowder, I think, could be a sneaky play. I know he's been quiet lately. He only had one catch last week, but Philly's wide receivers against the Buffalo defense in their game. Uh, Aguilar, Huff, and Riley Cooper all had more yards than their number one wide receiver, Jordan Matthews. So it wouldn't surprise me if Crowder uh, saw some action. Um, Now, it's tough to start a running back that's likely to get 20 carries and it's Carlos Williams is still out. But the Skins defense is actually playing pretty good football against the run right now. Bears only had 87 yards on 22 carries, and they've been running pretty well the season prior to that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's another guy that's pretty risky. Uh, Garcon is a receiver with a pretty low ceiling. He's only got three touchdowns and no games over 75 yards this year. And that Washington backfield is also very unpredictable. So those are some guys I would avoid. Uh, yeah, and just saw this morning that Stephen Gilmore went on IR, their number one corner, so that maybe opens some things up. Love Jordan Reed as he continues to just, when he's healthy, the guy is absolutely productive. Will Will Compton and Keenan Robinson on the defensive side of the ball continue to, to share reps, but um, Compton has at least been outproducing Robinson here as, as of late. Um, I I do I I would give, strongly consider invention shady in this game. I, I I hear what you're saying. Washington's tough at home, very tough against the run. Um, you know, don't don't blame the Washington defense for uh, Djax's Djax's fumblings on uh, Monday Night Football. That wasn't their fault. So yeah, they'll they'll shore some things up. And you know, this this team is still hungry. They're all they can still win this division and. Uh, I I think um what what people have never typically done against the Rex Ryan defensive scheme uh, and Washington has the ability to do so is just kind of wear them down. You know, a, a guy like Jordan Reed that can give you so much, you know, right in the middle of the field can help Cousins out and obviously they have quite the rapport. I think I think I would strongly consider starting Cousins in this game if if you're if you're desperate. Or two quarterback style, but I, lo- I love reading this game, and I think they could, they could, you know, to borrow a really old term, they could just kind of nickel and dime them to death, and that might actually open some things up, especially with uh, Gilmore out, open some things up downfield that they need to make that one big play to to uh, Djax. So I like uh, I, I like that like that strategy. I think I think that could work, especially uh, hosting the hosting the Bills on the road. Um, as far as the Bills go, Watkins against Breland, former college teammates at Clemson, that that could be an interesting uh, matchup. Um, besides the you know Preston Brown and uh, I'm forgetting the other the other linebackers name there in Buffalo. Besides those two guys, I wouldn't uh, not Manny Lawson. You know I'm talking about. I can't. Sorry, I can't think. Um, those everybody else is probably a sit on that defense. Um, so, yeah, I like like Reed a whole lot, and uh, Cousins certainly as as a secondary option. What do you think about Matt Jones in this game, Nick? I, I, did you mention him? Uh, I said I'd probably avoid the Washington backfield in general. Uh, if you have to start one, I think he's the guy you go with. Alfred Morris just hasn't looked the same this year, but it's it's pretty risky still. Yeah. It, it is risky. I, uh, Alf Morris has been a free agent in my uh, redraft league for a couple of weeks. I keep wanting to pick him up, but I just 
then I looked at his stats over the last month and just like, oh, besides that one game, it's just like, oh boy, certainly a different road for him and Lamar Miller in contract years, that's for sure. Um, moving forward, uh, Chicago at Minnesota in her divisional battle. What do you got for us? Well, I look at both Chicago running backs as low uh, running back two or flex plays. Uh, at five and eight, the team would need a lot, a ton of help to make the playoffs. So I think they're going to continue to split carries between Forte and Langford just to see if uh, the youngster Langford can take over full-time duties next year. Uh, I think I'd start both quarterbacks. They're both coming off 300-yard performances. And both tight ends, uh, Miller and Rudolph, are okay starts too. Um, now, Teddy Bridgewater completed passes to 11 different players against Arizona, but that makes all of the uh, Minnesota Vikings kind of risky plays. Stephon Diggs had seven targets. That led the team. He's probably the safest bet, but he's really cooled off lately. Those seven targets only produced two catches for 12 yards, albeit that was against a tough Arizona secondary, though. You know, I would sit all those guys if possible, and I'd probably sit any Bears receiver not named Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, yeah. I, 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 Jeffrey, he's another guy that when he's been healthy this year, he's been very productive. He's he, hasn't had any maybe he's had one stinker game but i i drafted him over aj green in my redraft league just because i had some bad feelings about aj green and he's he's not setting the world on fire i'm not saying i was completely right but he's not setting the world on fire and uh and then you know alshon missed like the first five four six five of the first six weeks something like that uh but he's certainly come around he he is the the big go-to guy in this offense even though you know the tight end miller's been uh been doing okay but uh jeffrey with especially with martellus bennett now on the show for the rest of the year uh jeffrey's is certainly the man uh, i do wonder about what we're going to be seeing from chicago i mean chicago is pretty much out of it right obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna lay down a lead division opponent beat them or beat them up but uh I just wonder how much that could come into play in terms of, you know, for, excuse me, Forte versus Lankford. I certainly think maybe Lankford sees a little bit uh, more action, especially if this game gets out of hand. Uh, Chicago seems pretty content to let Forte walk this offseason, so they certainly want to see, you know, what, what works with with uh, Lankford, and uh, I would probably, I'd probably start him over Forte. I know it sounds crazy to bench Forte at this point in time, but I, that's it's certainly something you got to consider. It's it's the playoffs, and you can't. You, I mean, obviously, you know, there's the start your stud mentality, but uh, you can't necessarily rest on that. You certainly need to explore your options, and if you're fortunate enough to own both of these Chicago guys, it might be uh, a consideration there to play uh, to play Lankford and. Um, especially against a pretty solid rush defense in Minnesota. So I know they're beat up, but they certainly are fairly decent. Um, with you know, with everybody being beat up, I think Eric Kendricks has certainly become a, a must start on the defensive side of the ball for for uh, excuse me for the Vikings. And really, the only person on Chicago I've liked, and uh, I've kind of liked him all year. And uh, our guy uh, Brian Hawks. Uh, here at DFW has been on since the summer, and that's Pernell McPhee. He's certainly come through and been the pass pass rusher that they need, and we obviously know the Minnesota offensive line has proven to be vulnerable, so they're going to need to 
need to protect Bridgewater, from, but I see I see McPhee getting at least one or two, maybe even two sacks in this game. Obviously, you're going to start AP. I don't know about – it seems weird because Chicago was so vulnerable against the pass early on, but they've certainly come around. I don't – even even if I own Diggs, I don't think I'd – I'd play him in this scenario. He's got a he's got a bright future, but it's not. Uh, he's certainly not a must start there. Any, any other thoughts in this game, Nick? Uh, I agree with you on Diggs. You know, bright future, but it's it's been tough sliding for him the last month or so. So yeah, you're you're sitting him if you have better options. Okay, moving forward, Atlanta versus Jacksonville. What do you got for us? Well, I'll keep this simple. If a player is starting for either of these two teams, you're probably starting him this week. The only exception I would say would be Roddy White. You know, I thought about maybe having Matt Ryan as a sit, but, you know, really, if you're still alive and he's the guy you've been using, uh, you would have already replaced him by now if you had better options. And, you know, at this point, what are you going to do, sit him for A.J. McCarron or something like that? No, you're you're going to play him if you've been using him. That's too risky in the playoffs. Uh, Matt Ryan does still have the great wide receiver in Julio Jones to rack up yards with. Hopefully get a score or two that way. I mean, the Falcons can't get shut out two weeks in a row, right? Um, you know, as far as sits, you know, fine. If every receiver on the depth chart in front of Marquise Lee gets food poisoning or pulls a hammy and Lee has to start, he's a guy you would sit. I mean, <laughs> didn't they draft him actually ahead of Allen Robinson? And it shows you what scouts know sometimes. Oh, yeah. And they got Rashard Green, too, who's certainly proven to, to be a, a big player, and he's He's been a, a nice addition for them in, in this short game, and I didn't necessarily expect him to see much much of the light of day this year, especially since he missed a whole bunch of chunk of time. But they're uh, certainly using all their options. But yeah, if you have a maybe, I hear you on Roddy White, maybe sit him. But if you have a, a pass catcher in this game, you, you got to play him. Um, and I also think, conversely, uh, look at guys like. I know that are available in a lot of full IDP leagues like Devon House and uh, Robert Alford. Start if you're looking for a cornerback to get you some some stats because you know even though you kind of you kind of know like Nick said who you're playing in defense. Cornerback is such a week to week thing, and I I actually really enjoy shuffling cornerbacks every week and and you know obviously enjoy hitting on them, but uh, missing on them it certainly take it takes that as a learning experience, but. A lot of balls in the air in this one. Um, yeah, a lot of balls in the air. Um, but, the, you know, maybe the front seven guys, probably not. Freeman's obviously a start. Um, Denard Robinson, people are picking up because because uh, Yeldon's pot. Do you know, is Yeldon out in this one, Nick? Uh, I believe Yeldon is going to miss this one. So, yes, Denard Robinson would make a nice play in this game. Okay. You know... I, that seems to be the case, but I uh, yelled in as questionable as as of right now. But uh, don't know a practice report for him. There was one other week where yelled in missed, and I I started Robinson. I was all happy. Thought it was going to be awesome, and he did absolutely nothing. So I I wouldn't get necessarily overzealous. You know, if you have a guy like we talked about earlier, earlier with Charles Sims. Um, certainly a, a consideration, even even like a Gio Bernard, I would certainly roll with one of those two guys probably over over Robinson if you if you're desperate. Congratulations making this far in the playoffs, I guess. Um uh but yeah, it's uh to start the pass catchers obviously. That's 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 the key in this game. 
Um, the front seven for both of these teams, besides Telvin Smith, obviously, if Jacksonville is not is not necessarily people you want to roll with. So uh, start the secondary, start the pass catchers, and obviously Devontae Freeman. Bortles and Ryan, yeah, you got you got to play both of those. Bortles is putting up crazy numbers. Um, you know, if this team was over five five hundred, Nick, I, like two even two games over five hundred, I think Bortles would probably uh, be in the MVP discussion because I think he's just having a, a hell of a year down there in Jacksonville. Uh, Kansas City at Baltimore. What do you think? Well, you know how I said to start everybody in the Atlanta-Jacksonville game? Yeah, flip it for this one. Just stay far, far away. Kansas City owners may see a juicy matchup, just like they did last week when they uh, went up, hung up a whopping 10 points on a three-win San Diego team. You know, West and Ware maybe is flex options. If uh, I think one of them might be a little dinged up. If, if only one of them plays, then that would be a good start. But other than that, you know, it's so close to a 50-50 split between those two. If they both play, that gives you a pretty low floors for both of them. Uh, you remember in the preseason, Travis Kelsey was considered to be a top three tight end. Then in week one, he had 100 yards and two scores. Since then, Kelsey's only had two touchdowns, and he's got zero games over 90 yards. He's had under 50 yards in five of the last six games. So, you know, I think maybe Jeremy Macklin might be a decent start, but, you know, I admit I'm prejudiced against Alex Smith wide receivers, so I, I just don't trust him, especially in the playoffs. You know, if you want to plug one in during a bye week, you know, that's fine, but, you know, for to start in the playoffs, I, I just can't trust a Kansas City receiver. But Albert Wilson, oh, <laughs> had 73 yards. Yeah, he only had two catches, probably had three targets. Um, especially since, yeah, Baltimore's secondary sucks, but uh, excuse me, Kansas City can seriously hand the ball 20 times to West and 20 times to Ware in this game and, and win by two touchdowns. It's, it's just nice. Not going to be. I mean, Baltimore is so desperate. They signed Ryan Mallett yesterday. I mean, that's just a bad situation there. Um, they signed Ryan Mallett to back up Jimmy Cloth. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, remember when Ryan Fitz, nobody wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick anymore? Uh, remember that? Yeah. Wow. Here's where we are. Um, yeah. Uh, I would love to tell you to start Buck Allen, but. I, I don't know how you can trust anybody right now. You know, maybe, just maybe, Crockett Gilmore catches a, catches a touchdown pass in this game, but that's that's super desperate. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I would maybe just, if you can, you know, avoid avoid the players in this game. Besides besides the Casey running backs, I, I think they could be the uh, – they could be really the only beneficiaries of this game here. Um, Tennessee at New England, what do you think? For a cluster on injured reserve now, Antonio Andrews' value goes up some, but Tennessee likely won't be close enough to be running the ball much this week. Uh, you know, I think the cluster's injury kind of hurts Mariota's value a little bit, but, you know, if you're an Andy Dalton owner and your backups are Mariota and a lower-tier quarterback like Blaine Gabbard, Manziel, somebody like that, then I would feel feel all right starting Marcus Mariota, but I always worry about a rookie going up against Bill Belichick's defense for the first time, but I do think the Delaney Walker is a pretty safe start. Uh, those two seem to have a pretty nice connection there, the tight end there for uh, Tennessee. As far as New England, you know, uh, Amendola and Gronk, uh, Edelman, if he plays, I heard rumors that he might be coming back. I don't know how much I buy into that at this point. I think they'd be better off saving him for the playoffs, but 
Edelman and Grock would be decent starts, and I think I'd go with Lafell too, along with James White as a flex in PPR leagues, obviously. Uh, and, of course, Brandon Bolton, now that I will Garrett Blunt's out of the year, he's probably the next man up as far as the, the running down running backs go. Yeah. You, you never want to make a judgment <laughs> call on oh, which, which Kansas City guy to start, that's for sure. Uh, which Kansas, or excuse me, which New England running back to start. I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, it appears to be Brandon Bolden, but then, of course, you know, Steven Jackson's working out with them now, so who knows. Uh, James White's certainly been a useful PPR option the last, uh, last handful of weeks. Um, if you have Gronk, I would strongly suggest, you know, getting trying to get a, a tight end in one of the afternoon games or, uh, you know, um, Monday night game or Sunday night game just, just in case. Um, I did that last week and didn't have didn't have to do didn't have to use it. Gronk was able to play. Uh, he saw a limited snap count. I mean, you saw like vital, not necessarily well, first half. We'll say first half they were vital third and longs where Gronk was on the sidelines. So there was obviously a controlled snap count there for him. Still had a great game. You know, had a touchdown pass or touchdown catch, excuse me. But uh, if this thing gets out of hand. Gronk's not going to play. I mean, it's just that's it's all there is to it. They're, they want to they want to keep him healthy. So, uh, so just just consider that. Obviously, you don't want to bench Gronk, um, but you know, maybe. Yeah, I don't know how you can really bench him, but it's uh, if if this game gets out of hand, and I believe it was, and so does Vegas with the fourteen point spread. I, that that he Gronk might not need to do much in this game for this team to win. Do you agree with that, Nick? I hate to say, hey, yeah, bench, I, over, I, bench him for Delaney Walker, but ugh. Yeah, I mean, the it's it's risky. It always is with Gronk, uh, but the upside is just too great compared to any other tight end. I mean, it would be one thing if you had uh, Gronk and Eifert, and Eifert was healthy, but you know, so now the number two tight end is out. The number three tight end is probably Jimmy Graham. He's out. I mean, who who has better upside than Gronk right now? Nobody. Yeah, that's true. I'm just saying, he has three catches for 22 <laughs> yards. He'll be he'll be in my lineup. Uh, but I just just caution everybody. Remember how cautious I was with Jeremy Hill this preseason. Remember, I didn't want to I didn't want to knight him. Just saying. Right, sometimes. Um, uh, oh, it's Dynasty Dilemma time, where we got through the first set of games. Not bad, not bad. Pretty pretty decent timing, but about a half hour, so um, we're doing all right. Um, feeling good. Uh, I lost my clip. Uh, each and every week we do a little something um, that we call a Dynasty Dilemma, where we pit two players against each other. I got... Oh, really rookie crazy already, as as I do so often. I'm already starting my next mock draft. But um, we've got a prospect here, a Heisman Trophy winning prospect, pitting against Thomas Rawls. Now, before, obviously, we cited on this dilemma before, Rawls broke his ankle, but uh, same same type of injury that befell Charles Sims last year. So I think I think uh, Rawls will be back. Uh just fine for train camp next year. So um, play the music, and I will start as we do Derrick Henry versus Thomas Rowe. 
Okay, so um, like I said, I so often get rookie crazy, and I will be a little self-deprecating within this podcast to prove that point, but uh, I just thought it was certainly something to uh, consider. So Derek Henry, I realize how how ridiculous this seems that we are comparing a college prospect to an NFL player in season, yet I believe Henry is special. Um, His size scares more than it encourages. Uh, but at six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, that running back is very rare. Now, I don't think he's Todd Gurley, but I believe he could be what we all thought Darren McFadden was going to be. Highly serviceable, but way more durable. Uh, I do think Henry runs a little stiff, but his power what is what makes me think he's going to be a fantasy stud. Um, I'm not calling him elite, I just think he could certainly be a stud. There's a difference in those terms I would like to imagine. <sighs> but Landing in a place like Dallas or with the Jets would probably be the quickest quickest path to success, the earliest path to success as well. Uh, Rawls suffered a broken ankle, uh, but should be fine for the start of training camp. Like I said earlier, Charles Sims had a very similar injury, cost him about 12 in-season weeks, so obviously there'll be no pressure on Rawls to hurry back, and he should be just fine. Uh, potentially replacing... Uh, Marshawn Lynch in this offensive would not be surprised if Lynch hangs it up. So that's opening a huge door for Rawls if that happens. We don't know, but it would be huge. Um, But really, the Rawls injury kind of makes this dilemma vaguely shaded to my side. I would would think. I know Henry Henry won the Heisman Trophy Saturday, and that certainly has a lot of people talking about him. And there's some some draft voices that I deeply respect clash on Henry. is he elite? I think he can be. I don't think he is right now, but I think he can be. I do wonder if the public treats Heisman Trophy winners a little bit unfairly. I mean, do we expect too much from them? And if and and do and in turn do we quickly judge them if they are not an instant success? While I understand guys like Tim Brown, Barry Sanders, Charles Woodson have set a pretty high bar, um, we're also very quick to point out guys like Andre Ware and Gino Toretta, Danny Werfel, Eric Crouch, Jason White, Troy Smith, Tim Tebow. Obviously, there's a lot of people that didn't do anything at the next level. I really felt like Gino Toretta was kind of the start of that. But, uh, um, at, but, but anyway, my point is simple. is if, if Henry did not win the Heisman, would there be more – would those that are cautious about him be more enticed to kind of view him as an underdog or underappreciated prospect? Um, and I also think it's totally – unfair to judge him as an Alabama running back since the past running backs haven't necessarily prospered out of Alabama in recent years. Um, it's unfair to relegate him as just another Crimson Tide flame out. That's t- totally unfair. The situation that he lands in will obviously dictate Henry's ADP, but I must say I am ready to consider him at 1.01 for next year already. Um, this tells you then there's a lot of leagues where I'm out of it already, but, uh, now, this dilemma came to me because Nick and I are in kind of, we'll say, a faux dynasty league that does not allow in-season pickups. And if you're wondering how reputable that is, let's just say Thomas Rawls went undrafted. So any team any team could have picked him up all summer, but I was way too busy stashing guys like Rashard Green, Darren Waller, Michael Pruitt, and trading Danny Woodhead for Josh Rum. Um, got a lot of use on that team, but I, for some reason, did not think Rawls was up there. So... Rawls is actually a free agent, and we even go as far to include veterans in in our veterans in 
every round of our rookie draft. So I could potentially be looking at a 1.01 situation of uh, Henry, Rawls, or potentially Ezekiel Elliott, another another rookie. Will this, you know, is is Elliott is Henry kind of another Gurley Gordon situation? I don't know. But, uh, you know, having a veteran like Rawls and a guy like Tarkandrick West also in there makes certainly going to make this decision a lot harder. I went pretty rookie heavy. And, well, let's say I just have the number one overall pick next year. So that didn't necessarily help me. But, like I said, this, this dilemma came to me as I was thinking about Rawls versus Henry. And I thought, oh, this is this would be an interesting dilemma, especially this time of year. And, obviously, situation will change that. But um, it's pretty hard to argue against Rawls, considering if, if Marshawn hangs it up, it, it's certain, his future looks extremely bright if he can stay healthy in that offense that's built around a power running game. And Rawls is one he's been in there and done an absolute great job. But I think Henry could, you know, potentially be. I think he's. I think he's deserving of a first round pick. If he slips to the second round, I think he's going to be make some team extremely happy. Rawls is an undrafted free agent. Um, but uh, certainly has a great a great opportunity in front of him. But I think I, I chose Henry because I wanted I wanted to uh, you know really look at him and uh, just just defend a rookie before he was even a rookie. So what 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 do you got for me, Nick? Well, Josh, you wanted Henry, who I assume that you feel will be a first round pick. So I wanted to look back at some of the other first round pick running backs to compare him to. Now, here's all the running backs that have been drafted in the first round, all of whom were very high dynasty draft picks. Since 2009, No. Sean Moreno, Donald Brown, Beanie Wells, C.J. Spiller, Ryan Matthews, Javid Best, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Doug Martin, David Wilson, Todd Gurley, and Melvin Gordon. All likely top five picks in rookie drafts and dynasty formats. Uh, who of them was worth it? Uh, Ingram did nothing for years before being good for the last two years. Doug Martin had two down years sandwiched in between his two good years. Uh, Gurley's probably the best in the bunch, and he's only played half a season. Well, let's face it, running back might be even tougher than quarterback to evaluate the transition from college to pros. And again, this is not a small sample. This is six years' worth of first-round picks. But we've seen Thomas Rawls dominate at the pro level. Six games with double-digit carries, five of those games he went over 80 yards, four of those games over 100 yards, one game with 200 yards, four touchdowns in those games. Uh, He's second all-time as far as rookie yards per carry with 5.6. We know he's an NFL back. And some people may worry about the broken ankle, but it seems to be a minor break. He's walking around on it. There's going to be no surgery needed. Uh, the, the bone injuries don't scare me as much as tendons, ligaments, muscle damage, you know, a torn Achilles, an MCL, ACL injuries, or a torn pec, that sort of thing. At 5'10", 217 pounds, I think Rawls is going to be thick enough to whisk down the, paint, uh, the pounding as a feature back in Seattle. I would expect Marshawn Lynch to retire, but even if he comes back, given his age, I would think Seattle would use Lynch in a complimentary role in an effort to keep him fresh and healthy for the postseason. Yeah, but even in a 50-50 split, I think both of these backs would be decent, decent players in a suddenly high-powered uh, Seattle Seahawks offense. You know, for every Todd Gurley, the road is littered with running backs who, for one reason or another, failed to live up to the hype. So give me the guy I've seen perform at a high level in the NFL. Who was the second name you said there when you were talking about the rookies? Uh, Donald Brown. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I thought – sorry to go off on a different tangent here in my rebuttal, but 
when Donald Brown came into the league, I thought this guy is going to be the it. I thought he was just going to be an absolute superstar. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, he's with the fourth running back in San Diego right now. But anyway, with the rebuttal, I, I do think there's a lot of money. Obviously, Rawls is not demanding much right now, and he's under a great contract, but there's a lot of money already already set into place in Seattle. And that. And if they don't get offensive line help, I don't necessarily think this – this team is looking good right now, but I think they're kind of running on fumes. And um, if – you know, if they if they miss the playoffs or get bounced early, I think there could be some major changes and uh, and personnel and possibly scheme change. So that and obviously we have no idea where Henry's going to land, but um, I think people would be very excited if it was if it was Dallas or with uh, the New York Jets. Those are those are the two stops that I, I see as potential drafting running backs early. But who knows what Jerry Jones is going to do? So. Um, uh, each and every week, we like to do a little something that we like to call Nick Rant. It's where I give my co-host the floor to uh, rant about something that's uh, on his mind, something that's bothering him. Sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes it's usually football-related. Sometimes it's usually football-related. Uh, and other times it's, uh, I like to call it shots fired. But Nick, we got one. So, Josh, what would happen if you or I or anyone with a quote-unquote regular job were to tweet out a death threat to one of our coworkers? You know, surely at the very least we would be suspended, most likely we would be fired, and quite possibly criminal charges would be filed. Because in our society, there are consequences when you threaten the life of another human being. So what happened to Steelers linebacker Vince Williams when following the Week 8 matchup between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati where Vontez Perfect knocked uh, Pittsburgh's running back Le'Veon Bell out for the season? Williams tweeted, I catch Vontez on South Beach. I'm painting that boy on sight. In a league where players get suspended or benched for heinous crimes such as choosing the wrong energy drink, smoking a doobie, or drinking beer during the bye week, uh, neither the Steelers nor the NFL felt any disciplinary action was needed. Wow. You know, they're lucky that that scrum between the teams before last week's game wasn't an all-out brawl. I'm painting that boy on sight. You know, in a time when the NFL is seeking to distance itself from off-the-field violence, a player publicly saying something like that is completely unacceptable, and the league's failure to react is even more so. Now, I doubt that Vince Williams would actually do something like that, but when a public figure like an NFL football player says something like, all it takes is for one person to hear that and decide to do what they see as a favor for their team, and then we have a tragedy on our hands. In this day and age, our words can carry much weight, and it's time the NFL and its players recognize that fact. Josh? Uh, yeah, especially since we overreact in society to so many other things. <laughs> and maybe the NFL didn't publicly address this situation because they didn't want too many people to find out about it. That's maybe really the only thing I could think of, but... Oh yeah, I did see the hit. They showed it many times on the on the replay that I was watching this morning. Um, yeah, I, guess I actually didn't think it looked that that bad. I mean, he pulled his arms away, but I don't know what whatever it is. What what a fun game that was to watch. That was there was there was pushing and shoving after almost every play, and obviously people are big and emotional after a game like that. So maybe. Uh, maybe that came into play too, but yeah, I'm a little surprised as you, as you were Nick that there was no no uh, disciplinary action coming down from this one. Um, 
you know, I, I'm waiting for uh, for William Gay to get fined for his awesome dance. And if you haven't seen that, <laughs> you should maybe not watch it because I cannot stop watching it. I mean, he dances in the end zone. Then he dances on the five-yard line. And then they throw the flag. And then he crawls on his knees to the sidelines. <laughs> Awful <laughs> dancing. Uh, best, best dancer in the NFL, man. Best dancer in the NfL. William Gay is the man. I love I love it. Uh what and what a play to jump around like that. Obviously it's it's against a, a young quarterback, but what a what a play he made and he deserved to dance. Uh, didn't Antonio Brown get did suspended last week for, for jumping on the on the goalpost after he scored a touchdown and he didn't get suspended but he got fined. I mean that's you overreact to that but and and call throw flags on excessive dancing, but you know you don't you don't react to this. So uh, let him dance. Who cares? I mean, it's he was happy, it's, and a guy like that doesn't score a touchdown. You know, every season, although he has, it's just it, he doesn't score a touchdown all the time. So he he likes to enjoy the moment. Um, uh, but yeah, should maybe should have reacted to this one. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe somebody in the league office is listening, and they'll, they'll bring the hammer down. Um, I want to get a couple prospect profiles before we get to the rest of the uh, sit or start here. As, of course, now we're running behind. But uh, Kenneth Dixon, running back, La Tech. Um, I didn't check that. We'll say Bulldogs. Uh, 5'10", 212 pounds. Uh, easily put, Dixon is uh, another guy, kind of like another guy that we talked about already, Thomas Rawls. He's kind of the Thomas Rawls of this year's draft. I think he will obviously go drafted. Rawls was undrafted. Uh, but smaller school pedigree, but a tireless and tyrant. In, but he's a tireless worker and a tyrant in the trenches. Um, LaTeX was not a good team, although they are making a bowl, um, which that's another whole other conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, LaTeX is not LSU, but not but unlike Rawls, Dix should be drafted. He makes uh, he he might make scouts look like a genius for pounding the table for him. Um, he has three down pedigree. I really think he might have to start as a third down, but he has three down pedigree. Um, he has soft. Uh, but he also has tender hands. He's very, and he's he's kind of the grace. He has the grace of a well-trained dancer. This Latech was not a good team, uh, but Dix is all heart, and he's he has he'll make like a second and third effort uh, as he dives for the sticks. I mean, you'll see this guy make three to four moves to get two yards. I mean, he's just such a a hard person to bring down. and such a determined runner. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any character issues that should arise. He seems to be the Probably the best combination of Gio, Gio Bernard and uh, Tevin Coleman. I think, I think he and also has the potential to be way better than both of those two players. Um, man, as a compliment to Latavius Murray in the Oakland offense, I would absolutely love Dixon. If you, Kenneth Dix, um, if you haven't Dixon, excuse me, Kenneth Dixon. If you haven't seen, him, you got to go watch Phil. And I'm just a great determined runner, uh, even when he's playing against a far far superior opponent. He just he just really works works for what he what he needs to get. Uh Sua Cravens, linebacker slash safety we'll call him USC Trojans. Uh mostly a linebacker in college. Uh does do a lot of coverage, but I think he's kind of the uh uh just think the Shaq Thompson version of this of this class without the uh, RB background. Uh, certainly a tweener, but I really, really like what he brings to the table. Great coverage. Um, he gets a little over, he gets a little overmatched size wise. 
sometimes, but he has enough speed and burst to win some of those tough battles. Um, for us IDP nerds, we should be excited if Cravens is drafted to be a safety. Though he'd be learning a new position, he's shown very great coverage skills, speed, and athleticism. Um, I, I hate when people always throw out comparisons of big names, uh, but the way he he does remind me a little bit of Levante David, the way he's able to close the gap um, on the weak side there for the U- USC Trojans. I know he's not Levante David, but he, he's got that type of speed to, to give chase, as I always like to say. Um, and I also hate when people continue to talk talk about every receiver as, oh, he's got this Antonio Brown element to game. There's only one Antonio Brown. Don't don't even don't even go there anymore. I'm sick of people talking about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, Sua Cravens, linebacker slash safety, uh, USC. Be excited if he's drafted to be a safety somewhere. He could easily make the transition to strong safety. It'd be a, a nice in the box weapon there for somebody's team. Uh, moving forward, what do you got about for us, Nick, on Houston in Houston at Indianapolis? Um, could possibly be TJ Yates versus Andrew Luck, who's practicing today. What do you got? Well, you have to start DeAndre Hopkins. I know it's scary. He only had three catches for 52 yards last week. Uh, You mentioned TJ Yates is probably going to start there, but you have to start him, period. And, you know, if this was going to be Hasselbeck versus Hoyer, I'd feel okay about starting the wide receiver two and three on both teams as desperation plays. But, you know, if it's going to be – and I don't know if Luck's going to play. Uh, If he does, that's – that changes things. But if it's Yates versus Whitehurst, then I would probably stay away from the wide receiver two and threes on both teams. And I would also stay away from Frank Gore. Uh, you, you look at his season this year, he averaged 3.8 or more yards per carry in six of the first seven games. He hasn't hit uh, 3.8 yards per carry since then. He's had games with 14 carries for 34 yards, 19 carries for 24 yards. Uh, you just don't get crazy and put uh, anyone from either team in over more steady options, you know, other than uh, DeAndre Hopkins and T.Y. Hill, of course. I really feel like DeAndre is the only must-start in this game. I don't even know about T.Y., even if Luck plays. I just, I just, well, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I, if, if Luck plays, I don't know. I would not. I don't think I would roll with him. I just this is a huge game. Obviously, these are the top two teams in this division. But I, I, there's going to be rust, and I, obviously they're not going to rush their franchise quarterback back if he's not ready. But I just I don't see a situation where you can play him. Obviously, if you have him, you and you're still alive, you found a decent backup, or you have a really really good play everywhere else so um um obviously you're never going to bench jj watt um but i conversely i don't like any of the secondary players in this game no matter who the quarterback is um indianapolis on the defensive side of the ball hasn't had a whole lot of cohesive consistent play from anybody so and Freeman, Jarrell Freeman continues to be questionable, seemed to be the only guy getting a whole lot of points there. You know, maybe Mike Adams on the defense, defensive side of the ball, if you've been trusting him all year, but that, that's really about it. Um, ooh, Cleveland at Seattle. Not too excited about this matchup. Well, I kind of am excited about 
I'm excited about Seattle's passing weapons in this. Uh, Russell Wilson, the wide receivers, Tyler Lockett, who had six catches, 104 yards, and two scores last week. Doug Baldwin, six catches, 82 yards, and three scores last week. Uh, you know, these guys get the hype, but Jermaine Curse actually also had seven catches for 74 yards. He's also a viable option. Option, But uh, back to Doug Baldwin. Eight touchdowns over the last three games. He's had 80 or more yards in three of the last four and uh, it's 80 or more yards in the last three games and in four of the last five games. Uh, the Seattle offense has scored 29 points or more once in the first eight games of the season, but it's gone, uh, it has done, gone 29 points or over every game since then. That's five games in a row. Uh, now, for Cleveland, I think uh, the tight end Barnage is probably your best option, but, you know, unless Cam Chancellor is out with his sore uh, tailbone, then I think Barnage also has kind of a low ceiling this week. But definitely those uh, Seattle pass catchers you want to start. And I think I think Bryce Brown is probably a safe play over Fred Jackson, don't you think, there? Yeah, they seem pretty content to have Jackson be, to be the third down guy, and he really hasn't done much anyway at all this year. So I... It seems weird that they've just picked a guy off the street and he's going to be potentially getting 20 carries, but um, I guess he's fresh, and if they wouldn't have signed him, he wasn't in shape. So, uh, yeah, you could roll with him. i just not crazy about the Seattle pass catchers. I know Wilson's been on fire the last couple of weeks, but you don't know. Uh, and, and Baldwin, you know, it's hard to, to sit Baldwin after what he's done the last few weeks, but I just don't know if they're going to necessarily need to throw the ball a whole lot in this game. Um, and maybe that seems too easy. And if Baldwin's got you this far, you're probably going to roll with him anyway and not listen to me. So uh, I, guess, I guess you can do what you want on that. I would say Wilson and Barnage are definitely the, the two the two must-starts in this one. Um, maybe maybe Duke Johnson, even though Crowell had a big game last week, but maybe Duke Johnson. But uh Hopefully, two quarterback guys aren't uh, starting Johnny Menzel because what a what a situation he's going into this one. This, that might be kind of fun to see Seattle chase this guy all over the field. Uh, Green Bay at Oakland. What do you think? Well, you know, ten teams have scored more points than Green Bay this year. So while they're not top, technically a top ten offense, I think I would still roll out with most of my starters from that team: uh, Aaron Rodgers, Eddie Lacy, probably even James Starks as a flex. Uh, definitely Randall Cobb, and James Jones might have a nice revenge game versus his old team. Uh, Green Bay has a solid defense, but I, I'd still start Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree and Latavis Murray as well. Uh, the Raiders' feelings are kind of limited by the Green Bay defense. The, you know, they're not as good as Denver defense, so I think Carr won't be as bad fantasy-wise as he was last week when he only had 135 yards, although he did have two touchdown throws in that game, so that saved his numbers a little bit. Um, so if you had to pick two, two of three in this game, uh, Nick, uh, with Cooper, Crabtree and Cobb, what, who are you going to sit out of that three? Um, probably Crabtree. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's hard. I would, I almost would consider benching Cooper. I wish I, I considered that last week and, uh, considered benching him for Devontae Parker was sounded crazy and I didn't end up doing it. But if I was to say to you that Devontae Parker scored three more points than Amari Cooper last week, you'd probably be like, wow, Parker had an awesome game. No, he had three points because Amari Cooper had zero points versus that awesome Denver secondary, um, which is probably the main reason this 
this uh, Oakland offense didn't push the ball a lot as they were able to control the top the top weapon there in Cooper. Um, but I, I think Cooper will get his revenge on that team over the over the next handful of years. So I think Cooper hasn't had two bad games in a row. So you got you got to you got to put stock in that, even though he is a rookie. I think he'll have to keep bounce back bounces back in this one. Uh, what do you think about Denver at Pittsburgh? Pretty big matchup here. Uh, you know, I know that Denver defense scares you. They've given up the fewest points in the NFL this year, but Pittsburgh is a top-five offense. You know, I think Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, and, you know, even uh, Wheaton, if you're thin at wide receiver, I think those guys are somewhat unbenchable, unbenchable no matter the matchup. The upside is just too great. The same goes for D'Angelo Williams, the running back, to a lesser extent. Uh, for Denver, I think I would probably start Demarius Thomas and maybe – Ronnie Hillman if C.J. Anderson misses the game again, but that's risky, any of those Denver running backs. Uh, really, I would probably sit most of the Denver offense, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think it's going to be Osweiler again this week, but he's just been playing too conservative. Uh, zero touchdowns for this offense last week, and that was against Oakland, who's allowed 326 points on the season. That's tied with Tennessee and Baltimore. It's not exactly an elite defense that Denver struggled to move the ball. So I would try to avoid all of the Denver players other than Demarius Thomas. Uh, that's probably pretty smart, even, even though this Pittsburgh secondary isn't, is, hasn't been grand. Um, but, geez, the huge matchup in this is those three Pittsburgh receivers versus this awesome secondary of uh, of Denver. Uh, obviously, they are Denver is on the road, and that, that that's probably tips the scales a little bit in uh, Pittsburgh's favor. Um, one thing... I don't know how they will match up with the, the height of uh, Martavius Bryant. I think he might he might be the the pass catcher you want to play in this game. But obviously nobody's benching benching Antonio Brown. I mean, I, I'm in a situation with one team that's going to the playoffs uh, where I have I have DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, and Jarvis Landry, and my bench wide receivers are Allen Robinson and Brandon Marshall. Obviously, I'm going to the playoffs, but I can't work Brandon Marshall or Allen Robinson into my roster at all or into my starting lineup at all just because how do I bench any one of those three guys? <laughs> I can't bench Nuke or Antonio Brown, Jarvis Landry, uh, maybe, but, I mean, the guy, it's a PPR league. All this guy does is get, you know, seven to eight catches a game. Who cares how many yards he's getting? He's getting you that guaranteed eight points. And we're, you know, I've had so many weeks where Marshall and Robinson are just blowing up on my defense. But obviously, that's a good problem to have. So uh, that's why I'm making the playoffs. Um, uh, Denver, defensive-wise, I think you're going to see a lot of balls in the air. So the secondary might be a, secondary players might be uh, uh, decent in this one. Um, Pittsburgh, defensive-wise, I like I like Tewitt and Hayward up front. Um, Possibly Shazier, though he hasn't set the world on fire like everybody expected, although he's been a little bit hurt. So um, that's really about it on the defensive side of all. What do you think about Miami at San Diego, Dick? Well, first, I'm going to do a little mini rant here. I mean, can you fire an interim coach? Dan Campbell, how do you go in at halftime in a game Lamar Miller is dominating? And decide your halftime adjustment is going to be to stop giving the ball to your best player. Huh, wonder why you couldn't move the ball in the second half. 
Uh, yeah, I do have some Juan Miller in a league where I lost in the playoffs in a very close game, so I'm a little bitter. But I think if you have Lamar Miller, you still have to start him. Although, you know, he does come with some risk due to the play callers there in Miami. Uh, you mentioned Jarvis Landry a minute ago. Uh, he's As long as he's playing, he's a must-start. He had 18 targets last week, and that was while being dinged up a little bit. Uh, you know, Antonio Gates is my only San Diego must-start. You know, he led the team again in receiving last week, six catches for 76 yards. Uh, Philip Rivers, he's still a good player, but there's no good targets for him to throw to. Injuries just completely wrecked this offense. Uh, it's not his fault he's a sit, but he is a sit. If you're a Melvin, Go- Melvin Gordon owner, you've hopefully already found a replacement for him. Same with Ladarius Green. Uh, I'd probably also sit Ryan Tannehill. He's just been way too up and down this year, and plus if they get out to an early lead, they could run the ball more than normal. Definitely the who cares game of the week. I'm sure we'll get to more of that. Uh, but, yeah, just nothing to really play for for either of this team. Um Real quick, Nick, I wanted to back up. I didn't really hit it. IDP-wise for Pittsburgh, excuse me, Green Bay at Oakland. Uh, any any thought to think uh, Khalil Mack keeps this little streak going and nine sacks in the last four games? Uh, did they take a take a Denver-like approach against Green Bay in, in Oakland in this game? Do you think there's some potential there with, with Mack? Obviously, he's a, he's a, a must-start after his five sacks last week, but... Uh, do you do you think that could come into play? Think Rogers might uh, might see some some different looks and see some IDP stats out of this Oakland defense. Um, possibly. I mean, Mac's not going to get five sacks again last, but he could get a you know a sack or two. Rogers is a lot more mobile than a Brock Osweiler, so that probably comes into play a little bit here. But you know, Green Bay's a team that gets uh, gets first downs at a pretty good rate. So, you know, that means the defense is on the field, so that provides more tackle opportunities. Yeah, and certainly one thing that helped the Denver defense against this Green Bay offense is the secondary. And, uh, yeah, Oakland doesn't have a secondary like that, that's for sure. Um, sorry, Miami at San Diego. Uh, you'd love to think that Lamar, like Nick said, Lamar Miller just is – is the man in this one, but who knows? I mean, even even after his two touchdowns in the first half, they were still getting J.H.I. his wraps up. So what are they doing? Mark Miller was just on fire, and uh, they they basically just put him out on the, on the sidelines. I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Um, maybe Antonio Gates in San Diego. If you, if you, if he's your tight end, you're going to obviously stick with him. But yeah, not much else for San Diego. I do want to point out that. Uh, Rookie linebacker Denzel Perryman has been doing some really good things for San Diego the last couple of weeks. So if you need a need a linebacker to to plug in there, uh, they've they've been trusting him late here in the season. So maybe 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 roll with him if he's if he's available. Um, Cincinnati at San Francisco. Do we see the return of Jeremy Hill? What do you think, Nick? Well, you know, even though I expect Cincinnati to lean on the running game this week, I, I think you still have to start A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert if Eifert plays. Uh, Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard had to, uh, both had down weeks versus Pittsburgh, but I think both of them have bounce-back games uh, this week. But I would definitely try to sit all my 49ers. Uh, Cincinnati without uh, quarterback Andy Dalton, but they still have a very good defense. And San Francisco was helped 10 points by Cleveland's defense. So I think maybe Anquan Bolden might get some garbage time production, but it it's tough to risk your season in the playoffs on a Blaine Gabbert passing attack. I, I would avoid it at all costs. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know anybody anybody besides Chikorsky Tart that you want to start in this game for San, San, Diego, San Francisco, excuse me. Um, I do hear you. I hope, I think they'll get um, some, uh, excuse me, some production out of the San, Cincinnati running backs in this game. And hopefully, hopefully I can, I can trust them too. Uh, sorry, I was, I just got distracted because I saw that Jonathan Stewart, imagine this is hurt, is officially out against, uh, against the Giants. So if you're, if you're counting on him, likely out, not officially, likely out. Per uh, per Ron Rivera on that, so something to think. Um, I think McCarron two quarterback style could be a, a, a decent play in this game. He does have AJ Green. Uh, Tyler Eifert had a concussion last week, so he's not a, he's not a sure thing, but uh, certainly a, a worthy a worthy thing to look at. Uh, what do you think about Arizona at Philadelphia? Well, real quick, uh, you mentioned Johnson. Jonathan Stewart is out. Uh, I've read three different columns on that situation, and all three of them recommended different running backs uh, between Tolbert, uh, Whitaker, and Cameron Artis Payne. So proceed with caution if looking to uh, invest in one of those in that situation there. But as far as uh, Arizona Philadelphia goes, uh, this Philadelphia defense doesn't scare me one bit. So I would start all of my Arizona Cardinals. Uh, as far as the Philadelphia running back situation, I think Darren Sproles is probably the guy to play in PPR leagues anyway. Uh, Arizona's got a tough secondary, and I think that could force a lot of checkdowns, so that would mean more work for Darren Sproles, and uh, Zach Ertz is probably also a decent start following his 98-yard game. Uh, You know what? I wish Chip Kelly would just sit with uh, DeMarco Murray, but since him and and Matthews are both splitting time, it kind of makes both of these players as uh, must-sits. I also really don't trust Jordan Matthews against Patrick Peterson, but you know, with Jordan Matthews being locked down, I think the other Philadelphia wide receivers, they, they could be decent cheap flyers in daily fantasy leagues, uh, guys like Josh Huff, Nelson Aguilar, or Riley Cooper. Okay. Um, yeah. Obviously, everybody loves these Arizona wide receivers. Um, but I think David Johnson might actually be might be rested on in this game. Arizona's certainly shown some kinks on the road this year, and uh, they're still you know, still pretty pretty darn good. But uh, I think you're going to see some, uh, you know, maybe some Chip Kelly action. Well, I guess he he does the cricket, but maybe they'll try to keep Chip Kelly's offense off the field and really let David Johnson wear this team down. I think I think they're comfortable enough with him in their in their lineup to do so nowadays. So. Um, um, Deion Buchanan is, is a guy that's probably probably been counting on all year, and you can continue to to roll him in this game. Uh, Philadelphia RBs, you know, it's it's maybe to their advantage that teams have to prepare for all of them, but uh, it's not necessarily a fantasy advantage by any by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, uh, good luck there. Uh, moving on, Detroit at New Orleans. What do you got? Well, this looks to be a lot of fantasy goodness in this game. Uh, these teams have combined to give up 733 points this season. Uh, Matt Stafford is a nice start, as is Golden Tate. Uh, you probably have to start Calvin Johnson and hope that he does more than his one catch for 16 yards like he had last week. And uh, your guy Eric Ebron, I think, is also worth the start. Uh, Theo Riddick would be my running back of choice uh, simply due to his work in the passing game. Uh, this one should be a shootout. So I'd also probably start Drew Brees. 
he cooked uh, 90 or more yards and scored it two of the last four weeks. So he and uh, Willie Sneed, I think, are starts as well. I would probably sit Tim Hightower. I, you know, I know he's going to be a heavily added player in leagues due to him getting 28 carries last week, but he only had 85 yards on all that work. So how bad is C.J. Spiller that Tim Hightower is deemed a better option there? Uh, you know, I would sit both of those guys uh, as well as uh, I think I would sit Joy Bell and Amir Abdullah. Each of them had seven carries last week. That's just not enough volume to help you out. And Marcus Colston, uh, two touchdowns last week, that kind of feels like fool's gold a little bit. I would not trust him to repeat that kind of performance. What uh, what happened to Megatron last week? I noticed he only had two points. Was he just completely rendered out of the game, or did he necessarily – was he hurt? Did you know? Did he get dinged up? I almost wonder if it's just a case of he's not quite the elite player that he used to be, but defenses are still treating him like he is. So, you know, if he's being double covered and just not good enough to beat that double coverage, that's going to open up things for a guy like Golden Tate to produce. Yep, and Lance Moore continues to be questionable. Um, Maybe Eric Ebron gets back on his – touchdown streak again i know i like him way too much but uh this second day although you know new orleans put up a hell of a fight and beaten tampa bay last week that was one of my big surprises last week um i'd feel pretty comfortable with both quarterbacks in this game and uh probably probably theoretic is the best the best running back option of the bunch i hear what you're saying on hightower and and spiller theoretic at least catches passes Joyke Bell and Amir, you just don't know. Don't know which one of those guys is going to show up or get the get the majority of carries. So uh, yeah, um, uh, that's that's it. We got through all the games, and now we're going to get through them all of them again as we bring Mr. Chuck Podeski through here. One second. Are you there, Chuck? I am here. I uh, was listening to, here, and I and, and I thought you guys were going to the uh, predictions without me when you're going through the games. No. And I realized you were uh, <laughs> doing your regulars. Uh, yes, we were very courageous and did sit our start. That's why you're on the phone on hold for half an hour. We did sit our start of every game, and uh, well, that's okay. I was little, on uh, I was on Twitter playing playing the schmovie games as I am so wont uh, to do, and thinking of stuff like that, but. Anyway, it's uh, it's cold here in Las Vegas. It's uh, not going to get over 50 today. Ugh. It's 25 here after after lots of rain and snow yesterday, so not not nice. Um what uh I think you had something to say about uh primetime games and uh, the public's overreaction <clears throat> and then we'll get to our uh, get to our yeah, just a, just a quick thing, a real quick thing here, and, and uh, you brought that up on Twitter, and I think uh, I brought it up before, but uh, you, you have to be careful when you're talking about uh, wagering on games, picking winners against the spread. Um, when one team plays on national TV and looks really, really good, uh, and we, you were talking specifically about the New York Giants, and that's a that's a good example. When it, when a team plays. On uh, on a national game like Monday Night Football, like uh, you know Sunday Night Football, the, the but the Patriots did what they were supposed to do, so we can't uh, gauge anything by that on Sunday night, uh, or even on you know one of the uh, the late afternoon national games. And the team looks really good. The public tends to look at that game and say, "Hey, that's that's how that team is." 
the Giants looked really, really good against Miami on Monday night. And, uh, Josh, I was checking the line, and, and um, that game started out with, uh, with Carolina favored by six and a half points. And it is now down to just a couple of seconds ago, went down to five points. So it's gone down a point and a half since Monday night in the uh, in the New York Giants' favor. Now, I'm not saying that Carolina is going to uh, to beat the spread this weekend. It's just that when something like hap- like that happens, you know you probably aren't going to get a good price if you bet on that team, if you bet on the Giants, if they had uh, just played a real close game against Miami and not looked very good but still won, uh, the the spread would probably still be six and a half or maybe at least six. But right now, as, as it stands, if you take the Giants, you're only getting five points. Yeah, and we did mention Jonathan Stewart's out, so that maybe he's coming into play here. Um <laughs> uh, sorry, it's too funny not to mention my computer just uh, just autocorrected AJ McCarron to macaroni. Um, uh, <laughs> moving forward, well, you, know, you know you should you should also keep this in mind. There are some teams that you'll never get a good price on just simply because they're such a public favorite. You know, by the, by that same token, the Dallas Cowboys uh, are such a heavily bet team each year. They're America's favorite team to bet on, and uh, and you'll never get a good price on them. And the colleges in college football, Notre Dame, is is bet on a lot. So so the books will always take that into consideration when making the line. And if they don't, then the line will get adjusted anyway because everybody will come in on that team. So um, you're you're not going to get a good bit a good line on those teams uh the new york yankees in baseball just you know those teams that everybody bets on to a certain extent the uh, the new england patriots because they have been so awesome the last couple of years probably never going to get a good line on them either uh true true pittsburgh's kind of another one of those teams that a lot of people are like to like to bet on too right yeah yeah pittsburgh and um but I guess, you know, a good strategy for beating the spread in Las Vegas goes beyond, you know, the, the strengths of the teams. And sometimes it goes to, a, to the, the, the psychological thing and knowing, uh, you know, where, where the public is, is looking and adjusting your lines um, uh, thusly. All right. Well, Thursday night, St. Louis hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do you got for us? The Rams um, were were two points, and they they were two and a half. They've gone down to two points. It started out as a pick'em game, by the way. Let me give you a little history on this one. The uh, the Rams started out at minus two, went all the way down to a pick'em. Uh, it went up. Actually, it only went up to it was at uh, one and a half, and then it went to two. So uh, Tampa Bay is now two point underdog on this game. Okay, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think being the fact that it's a short week uh, for a rookie quarterback like Jameis Winston against a tough defense uh, on the road, uh, all those things work against Tampa Bay's favor, so I have to go with the Rams. I forgot. I I did my picks beforehand. I'm also going with the Rams. I forgot why I did that, but, yeah, short week. (laughs) Don't you have some some knowledge? Isn't Tampa good on turf? That may be second guess that, but I'm still going to go with the Rams. Tampa, Tampa is okay. You know, every it seems like every time I discover a trend on Tampa Bay, they go the other way, because uh, I thought the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers did okay 
on uh, on AstroTurf, and then uh, it came along to uh, let's see, they played. Uh, well, I don't remember when it was, but it's something just totally disproved it. But uh, anyway, I am going to take Tampa Bay. I feel like uh, I feel like there's just a lot of junk going on in St. Louis. Uh, the team is probably going to move to Los Angeles. The uh, the fans don't seem to care very much. They, uh, I think the Buccaneers have more to play for, and I think they will. I'm, I'm going to take the Buccaneers uh, and take the points this week. Uh, yeah, they do have more to play for. I certainly, certainly can't can't no, disagree here, with you there. Um, yeah, here, Josh, here's the game that that blew it all for me when they went to Indianapolis and lost to the Colts. You know, there's no reason for that. And then, and then they're home, and they and they beat the Falcons, and then so I think you know I think well the Saints have given up, and then they lose to the Saints. So you know these are two teams, the Rams. You know I thought I had I thought I had the Rams all figured out when you know uh, Jeff Fisher you know would uh, would play teams in his division real strong, and then they get blown out by the Cardinals at home. So so who knows what the what the Car- who knows what the Rams or the Buccaneers are going to do each week, and uh, when that happens, I just boil it down to the team who's still in contention, and I think the Tampa. Bay Buccaneers, Buccaneers still have a chance, so I, I, I think they care more. Okay. Um, uh, New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. What do you got for us? Jets are uh, three-point favorites on the road. I, I guess that's what that line would be, and I think that is absolutely perfect. You can still wait wait around till Sunday for these Dallas Cowboy fans to uh, maybe get it down to two and a half, and then you can jump all over the Jets. But I'll take I'll take Jets slam dunk, and I'm I'm gonna, I would like to make Nick stick too, but I'll let him do it. But I, th- I bet you he takes the Jets too. Nick, we got. Yeah, yeah, I have to go with the Jets. Uh, Matt Castle is. Uh, uh, I almost wonder if the the Cowboys would have been better off just sticking with Brandon Whedon. Uh, I got to figure they'd have more than the uh, the four wins that they have right now. So, uh, yeah, definitely going with the Jets. Well, the Jets have been road favorites this year twice and lost both games. Now, now they were favored on the road against the Giants, but that was basically a home game. So, anytime the Jets have left New York and they were favored, they've lost the game. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cowboys. Somehow they. They still feel like they have something to play for, and uh, hopefully they'll only lose by two. And they were probably favored at at Oakland too, right? When Oakland demolished them. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was. That's okay. one of them I was talking about. Then they went to Houston as favorites a couple of weeks ago. Remember mm. that? And uh, yeah, I well, I I hope if they do lose, I hope Chris Ivory still gets 150 yards rushing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I. I wouldn't count on it. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't have I don't don't have a line in front of me on this one, and you might not either. But Houston at Indianapolis. I do not. That's DJ one that has no line. Question mark. Yeah, no line and no line history on this game. So um, here's a couple of teams. You know, this should be a big game. They're both they're they're tied for the lead in the in the AFC South. This is uh, this is for a playoff spot basically. And and there's no line. Nobody seems to care. Uh, why don't we just make it a pick 'em? Because it seems to me like it's a pick 'em game, don't you? Yes, it does to just, me. I will take Houston. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I will also go with Houston just uh, due to the fact I think they have a better defense. So, you know, a war of attrition comes down to defense sometimes. Oh, man, oh, man. I hate to keep picking against you guys. And, uh, you know, what? it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't matter, really. I'm, I, I, I circled the Colts, and I can't even remember why. And I, I don't think, I don't think it'll matter. So uh, you know, I, I've circled the Colts, and I'll stick with it. I'm going to take the Colts. Um, I think uh, the Colts shellacking last week at the hands of Jacksonville was like their first loss in the division in like the last 16 games. So. Do they lose two division games in a row? Wow. Um, Chicago at Minnesota. Vikings are uh, up to five and a half. Let me uh, let me give a check on that because it's been steadily going up. Uh, still five and a half. <sighs> I'm going to go with Chicago in this game. Too many too many points. Division game. Blah blah blah. Yeah, Chicago's not going to lay down. Got it. Chicago plus the points. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. You know, Chicago, they're not laying down right now. They're still playing team stuff. They played a really tough game against uh, Washington last week. So I think they keep it to within probably a field goal type of game. Wow. I want to know how many times we've swept on the Bears this year. This is another Bears sweep, and it's only uh, because the Bears' uh, divisional game and it's a playback game in which Minnesota won by three the first time. Uh, John Fox is just a coach that doesn't let his guys give up. Uh, they're out to they're they're playing well. Minnesota not so much, but I would love to take. You know, I think it'll be a three point game either way. So I'll take the Bears. Okay, and I'm very sorry for not letting you pick that game first since it was your Bears. Um, you know what? So I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Uh, you can pick this next one first. Tennessee at New England. So we'll let you set the trend here for what should be a double-digit spread. Oh, lordy. Yeah. I mean, not only a double-digit, it's it's 14 points. It's way above double digits. Uh, the Patriots favored over the Titans. But, um, you know, the, the trend is bad for the Patriots as double-digit home favorites. But I, I think this is a, this is a different – this is a different story. New England is looking for that first round bye, and I think I think I don't know with with either one or two two more games they can pretty much guarantee themselves that um, they lose a tiebreaker with the Denver Broncos simply because the Broncos. I mean, if they were tied with the Broncos, the Broncos beat them, so the Broncos would uh, would be ahead of them in the standings. Um, so the Patriots really really need to win this, and I think they'll. They'll take no prisoners. Um, I'm going to, you know, probably can't make a living betting on the Patriots minus double digits at home, but I'm going to do it this one time. Yeah, and every time, every time I feel like I've taken the the team, you know, with the points at New England, it just hasn't worked out. So I'll, I'm going to go with you on that one. The Pats minus the 14. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, make it a clean sweep. Uh, you know, other than a trick play, uh, uh, Tennessee would have gotten shut out last week. So, and that was against the Jets. And I think the Patriots are a lot better team than the Jets. Maybe not defensively, but uh, overall they are. So, I got to go with New England. Yeah, and you guys, another thing you have to look at in this game is look at how good the uh, the Patriots' defense looked last week. They basically, I know they they beat the they beat up on the. Uh, 
on the Texans last week, but it really was the defense that stifled uh, the uh, the Texans. So their defense is playing at a high level, even if their offense isn't. Okay. Chicago, excuse me, not Chicago, the Giants at Carolina. Did you have five right, on this here one we go. No, it's, it's the uh, Giants at home against Carolina. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, the Panthers, the undefeated Panthers, are favored by five points now. It's gone from six and a half down to five. I... You you tend to love a home team dog, but you're not making any money betting against Carolina this year. So I got I got to go with the Panthers. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also going with the Carolina Panthers. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just a uh, wishful thinking, you know, being as my skins are in a three way tie for first place in the NFC. Or I no, I guess uh, yeah, yeah, three way tie. So maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I I still think Carolina just they're. They're on a different level from anybody else in the NFC right now, so they they should be able to win this by a touchdown, I would think. Well, you guys, I had the uh, I had the Giants circled earlier when I was making my picks, and then I just couldn't. Um, I mean, the Giants looked so good against a a uh, Miami defense that just I mean, if, if you let if you let Odell Beckham run run by himself down the field, who's going Who's going to ever stop that? Um, you know, I mean, he, he, they could do that all night. I, I, I guess I, I'm surprised the Giants only won by, by like, six or seven. They win by seven points at Miami. Mm. Um, it, it was pretty uh, It was pretty sad. Uh, they – the the Panthers defense is going to is going to make that look like you know they were playing a, a pop warner team um you know i'm putting my trust in the Panthers defense um they probably win this game i'm just going to hope that they win it by more than 5 you're, but you're right it's tough to it's tough to give up 5 points on the road and the Panthers have not been doing well as a, as a road favorites of over 3 points um i'm still going to take the Panthers i just can't bring myself to uh, to pick the inconsistent Giants. Um, and did you guys hear that on that Monday night game, after halftime, Beckham went back to the locker room to get an IV because apparently he's been sick all week, and then he came out and scored those two touchdowns. So maybe they should drug test him. But uh, And seriously, that, that touchdown catch where he dragged his feet, what a great play. But did anybody not see the ball hit the ground? I mean, how is that a catch? And Des Bryant from last year in the playoffs is not. I just I don't get it. I guess he got his feet in bounds, and that's all that matters. You don't have to control it when you're falling out of bounds as long as you're in the end zone. I guess that's the moral of that story. But anyway, I'm done with that. <laughs> no, no, nobody was more disappointed than nobody was more disappointed than me, Josh. I needed that. Uh, I needed that to go three and two on my Chuck's choices. I ended up losing uh, losing to. Uh, losing that game so you know two and three and i you know it's it's like come on miami put it give me an effort oh yeah they don't know what to do down there i think um wait till we get to that game buffalo at washington what do you got for us bills are uh, one point favorites and i believe they started out as one point i believe washington started out 
as a uh, one-point favorite in this game. It's now switched over to the Bills, which which isn't you know a, a big difference because basically you're picking the winner of the game. It went from it went from uh, Redskins favored by one to pick them, and then uh, and then it went to the Bills favored by one. So Buffalo by a point. Nick, what do you think? I guess I'll take the skins. I don't love it, though. I definitely wouldn't actually be putting money on it because it seems like with Washington, every time you start to believe in them, they just lay an egg. And Buffalo is a quality opponent. It's, you know, the, But I'm, I'm still going to go with the skins. They seem to be a pretty good team at home, so I'm going to hope that holds up. Sorry, backtracking. Did we, we slept Panthers, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Washington. I just I believe in them at home. That's and it's only and their dogs. Even though it's only one point, why not Washington? Chuck, what do you think? One of my favorite um, axioms. In fact, I made this up. Is is that a trend will last as long as it takes for you to identify it? And that's what happened with the Reds again. A, a trend will last as long as it takes for you to bet on it, I guess, is, is a better way to say that, because Washington had mm-hmm. been so good at home, and, and they, they basically were undefeated against the spread at home. And then it came to the Cowboys game, you know, and then I picked the Redskins because they were so good at home, and, and they, they fell flat. But I'm going to go back with what's more likely to happen. The Redskins have been good at home. Maybe the Cowboys game was just uh, a little bit too much in the spotlight for them. Now they have one of those uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time games, 1 o'clock Eastern time games uh, at home against the Bills. The Bills are starting to question themselves. I'm going to take the Redskins to win. Okay. Another sweep. Nick, did you also? Another sweep. Okay. Jacksonville hosting the Atlanta Falcons. What do you got for us, Chuck? Wow, this could be another one. Even though it wasn't a national game last night, look what the Jaguars did last week to the Colts, racking up 51 points on them. Uh, Jaguars are favored by three over the Atlanta Falcons in Jacksonville. And I thought what was even more impressive was the fact that this game was thir- that game last week against the Colts was 13 to three Indianapolis at one point, and then kaboom, uh, they woke up. Uh, yeah, I was trying to remember the last time a team put up 50 in the NFL. That just did not happen every uh, – maybe maybe happens once a season, it just seems like. But uh, uh, I I just – seems too easy to take Jacksonville on this game. And I feel like everybody's going to write Atlanta off. So I'm going to take Atlanta with the points. I, and I don't know why. I just feel like – they find a way to win this game just because they're a more veteran team. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think they can't believe it's only a three-point spread. I, I would take the Jaguars even at minus seven, I think. Uh, go Jaguars. <laughs> when I was researching this game, I wanted to go – I went back and looked at the at the stats of the game last week. Um, the The stats were – Basically even. Total yards, 380 to 322. Passing yards, 226 to 227. That was in favor of the Colts. Um, rushing, uh, Jacksonville had a had an edge in rushing. Then I thought, well, then it must have been turnovers. But each team had two turnovers. And each team had one touchdown by special teams. I cannot figure out how in the world the Colts lost 
fifty-one to sixteen. When you look at the stats, that's a that's a twenty twenty-one to twenty game right there. Um, so yeah. I guess what I'm saying is Jacksonville is a little bit inflated this week. Uh, Atlanta has got to break the jinx somewhere, and I am going to you know I'm not, if the Jaguars hadn't won by that much, maybe it'd be a pick'em game. I am going to take the Falcons plus three. Uh, yeah, I I can appreciate your stance, but I think uh, maybe Nick maybe said the best line of the day so far. Uh, I can't believe it's only three points. Um, Kansas City at Baltimore, home team dog. Yeah, Chiefs seven and a half. Ooh, seven and a half. Oh wow. Um, why not? Baltimore's terrible. Kansas City's going to control the ball. Not going to be a lot of points in this one, so it's hard to give up that many points. When I don't think, when I think the over under is probably going to come in at like thirty nine, but I still think it's pretty safe just because it's Jimmy Clausen a quarterback probably. Uh, Kansas City minus the seven and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, that's just too many points for me to give to Alex Smith on the road. I think the Chiefs win this game, but they probably win it by like four points. Uh, at seven and a half, that's just too many. So I'll take the Ravens to cover. Hey guys, I'm going to take the uh, the Ravens plus seven and a half points at home, simply because uh, Kansas City. This is one of those things that used to happen to the Broncos every year. They'd have a great season, then later in the season, they'd have to go out to the East Coast and play an early game, and that's uh, that's that's when I started looking at the uh, the correlation, you know, between that. I mean, they're they're used to playing every game at their own, in their own time zone. The last time they went to uh, to an earlier time zone, it was Cincinnati, and they got beat, I believe, thirty six to twenty one or something like that. That was early in the season. Now it's later in the season, and they have not played a game you know on the road in the eastern time zone since then um so i'm going to i'm going to say that the the ravens have just enough to uh, to stay there i know the chiefs want to win it they might have to come back to win it they aren't a they don't score a lot of points so it's hard to ask a team that doesn't score a lot of points to uh to win a game on the road like that you know without a high powered offense so the ravens defense will keep this close and i think the chiefs will win but i think it'll it'll be a close one i'll take the ravens you guys both picked the Ravens last week against Seattle. And <laughs> Thomas Rawls broke his ankle. And how is Seattle, how is, besides Russell Wilson versus Alex Smith, this, they're, they're not really that dissimilar in these two teams. So I'm just saying, good luck with that, guys. Good luck with that. It's Jimmy frickin' Clawson. Uh, uh, I am. I'm going to be so right on that game. Sorry, guys. Green Bay at well. Well, oh one thing one thing you can look about look <laughs> at is the fact that Russell Wilson is a much more mobile quarterback than Alex Smith is. Uh, even though Smith yeah. can get out of things, um, but uh, you know it, it's basically you know a scramble and pass. And uh, I don't see Kansas City doing that to him. But Baltimore has no pass rush anyway. So, but anyway, we'll agree to disagree until I'm right on Sunday. All right. Green Bay at Oakland. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Packers are favored by three against uh, your Raiders, Josh. I love them when they're underdogs. I also love to pick against them, so I'm happy either way. And three three seems about right. I can see them beating us by three, so I'm going to take Oakland, pray for the push. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I just think the Packers, they, they see Minnesota just one game behind them in the division, and they're going to come out ready to play, I think. So I'll take Green Bay. I'm going to stick with the with the Packers uh, until they falter under Mike McCarthy calling the plays. I think he... I think they found something there, and I'm hoping he's, I'm hoping he's still playing the. Uh, he's still calling the plays this week. Uh, I like the Raiders, I do, and I, and you know I, I in fact I had them circled earlier, and then I switched to the Packers. So, um, let's take the Packers minus three. They're kind of in a dogfight for the division. Um, just you know, Josh, I don't I don't really feel good about this, but you know, just good enough to take the Packers. Okay. Um, let me ask you, as as a more, fantasy as fantasy guys, let me ask you this: Is it? Uh, I know it's usually a dumb strategy to pick, to take two running backs on the same team, but but given the uh, given the Raiders' penchant for not stopping the run, um, would it be wise to take both Starks and uh, and Lacey and play them if you have them both? I I don't dislike that that strategy um it it is a little bit risky but i think i think it's a little bit different when you have guys like jeremy hill and geo bernard you know guys that have do different things right um and i just feel and i and i know obviously lacy and starks are different but it's not like you know lace or starks is a, a five or six catch guy per game they're both running back they're both running, running back. So I guess I would probably not do that. I would feel way more comfortable starting both Spencer Ware and Sharkhandrick West uh, versus you guys in Baltimore Ravens. Nick, what do you think? Right. Uh, I'd go the other way. I would take uh, Lacey and Starks. You look at last week, uh, Eddie Lacey over 100 yards in the touchdown. Starks found the end zone twice. Uh, they're both productive players in a high powered, far more high-powered offense than they've got in Kansas City. So I would go with the Green Bay backs. Okay. Do we have another double digits touchdown, two touchdowns, Fred? Uh, uh, Cleveland at Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. Seattle is even favored by more over the Browns than the uh, than the Patriots over the Titans. Uh, with the Seahawks, you got to give up fourteen and a half points. <sighs> That's rough, um, but. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how you could pick Cleveland in this game, even though that's a whole lot of points. I got, I gotta go. I gotta go Seattle. Don't love it, so I'll go Seattle minus fourteen and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm gonna go with Seattle. I mean, remember Seattle's not a, they're a different team than they were in years past. Uh, the Seattle offense is moving the ball, scoring points left and right. So, you know, in the past that would have been a lot of points for. Uh, a team that usually just ran the ball, but now that they're slinging it all up and down the field and Doug Baldwin scoring touchdowns all the time, yeah, I'll go with Seattle. As much as I hate to pick uh, big, big, big favorites at home, this will be my second one this week after taking the Patriots. Now I'm going to take the Seahawks. And, and for one big reason, uh, my fantasy team was playing a team that, that, was, uh, that was playing Doug Baldwin last week. And uh, I was talking to my little brother on the phone, and he goes, well, Baldwin just caught another touchdown pass. And I said to him, what, what are the Seahawks doing still throwing the ball? It was the fourth quarter, like eight minutes left or something. I said, why, why are they still throwing the ball? And, you know, 
and and if they're going to play that way, then I'm going to take a minus 14 and a half because I guess they're not going to be satisfied with any lead. They're going to try to just rip people, and uh, Johnny Manziel will probably throw two pick sixes in this game. So there's 14 points right there. Um, mm. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. As much as I hate it, let's go with the Seahawks. Okay. Um, well, you know the running back got hurt in the first half of this game too, so maybe that was. And then Dewan Dewan Harris, their backup, fumbled, so maybe that was their their strategy. Yeah. Like, well, let's just let's Whatever. just pound these guys into the ground. <laughs> um, Pittsburgh, ooh, Pittsburgh at Denver. Wow, would you ever think that the Broncos would go on the road and, or anywhere and and get six and a half points? But that's what it is. Steelers by six and a half. Uh, as I so often do versus home team versus road team, I, saw, I, I initially saw the five, and I'm just like, Denver's five-and-a-half-point favorites at Pittsburgh? Oh, my gosh. But, no, obviously it's the other way around. What did you have, five, five-and-a-half? Six-and-a-half. Six-and-a-half? Wow. Let me check this real quick and see what the latest is here, Josh. I just got these about an hour ago, though. Uh, yeah, Steelers still six-and-a-half. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh only because I just have no confidence that Denver can control the clock in this game with their lack of running game. So that, that's my reasoning there. I don't love it, but I'll take Pittsburgh minus the six and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I think uh, I think Pittsburgh finds a way to win this game, but six and a half points, that's just too many points against it. Solid, solid Denver defense. I think that defense is strong enough to keep this one close. Yeah, Nick took the words out of my mouth. When you have a good defense like Denver's and you're getting six and a half points, uh, it's uh, to me it's always a good proposition. And um, so not a whole lot of scoring from the Steelers. The Broncos will need maybe a couple of touchdowns to keep this one within the numbers. So uh, I'll take the Broncos here. Yeah, and if you'd like – this is the week if you like wide receivers versus cornerbacks. We got Beckham versus Josh Norman and you know Harris and Talidi versus Brown and Bryant and Wheaton. That's oh man, that's that's good. should certainly be entertaining both of those both of those games and those matchups. Um San Diego hosting the Miami Dolphins. Officially the Who Cares game of the week. This might be the Who Cares game of the season. <laughs> well, Still got the Monday night game to come, Josh. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. Dolphins, uh, the Chargers are favored by two in this game. Um, at least one At least one of the Monday night teams had at least a three-game win streak, right? That's why, I'm, that's why I'm giving this one the edge. Oh, Dolphins minus oh. three? Uh, San Diego. I'll take San Diego. Why not? I initially circled Miami, but I'm taking San I just I don't I don't know why I just whatever <laughs> Nick what do you think home team oh uh, I don't know Miami's got a good running back that they don't give the ball to San Diego's got a terrible running back they keep feeding the ball to I <laughs> uh, how do you pick between that I don't know. I guess I'll just go with San Diego because they're at home. <laughs> Yeah, Nick, that uh, you made a great point there. Um, here, here's here's my view on this one, and and if you want a if you want a uh, a reason, you know, the uh, Monday Night Football I think was the uh, was the whole season for Miami. Now they have they have nothing left. They 
you know, on the big stage, they were supposed to give it their best, and, and I don't think their their defense gave it their best. If they're going to let uh, receivers run downfield, you know, unchecked, like Odell Beckham, then, you know, what are the Chargers going to do? On the Chargers' side, they've they've gone from having something to fight for to, you know what, let's go out and have fun and play football. Uh, Miami's coach is a little intense. He's never going to let Miami, you know, give up. He's uh, But... Uh, I'm looking for the Chargers on cruise control to just start winging the ball around and uh, and and piling up some points. So I'm going to say San Diego wins this pretty easily. Yeah, a team with nothing to play for it could be very dangerous because they're gonna they're gonna take chances. Did you say um, you said San Diego? So it's a clean sweep. Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and if you're we we did officially tip the scales. Um, I look at I'm looking at Yahoo lines right now because that's where my pick'em is at, and their uh, their percentages for this game are exactly fifty fifty right now for against the spread. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we're shading at San Diego. We are being the sharps. Uh, next game, Cincinnati, of course, Chuck. And if you want to take the uh, Bengals and AJ McCarron, you're going to give up four and a half points. And that, I'm sorry, that last game was three points, San Diego three, minus three, right? Two. Two. Okay. Two points. Even even better. Um I I gotta I gotta go San Diego in this game. I just I think their defense is too talented to let Blaine Gabbert move the ball. Yeah, I know San Francisco's a different home team, but um and it's hard to bet against that home team dog, but I gotta think San Diego. Just, or excuse me, San Diego, Cincinnati Cincinnati power pretty hard in this one, even with the back of quarterback. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you, and I don't love it just because of the back of quarterback. You worry about him making some uh, some rookie mistakes. I don't think he's a rookie, but, you know, first-time playing type of mistakes. Uh, but, yeah, I, like you said, they've just got too solid of a defense. They've got a great running game they can rely on, and I think they can win this one by a touchdown. As bad we started the season, I remember starting the season thinking that uh, San Francisco is just going to be is just an embarrassment, and they were they were horrible. As the season has progressed, we've seen a little bit of a trend for San Francisco. They beat the Vikings at home. They uh, the Packers beat them seventeen to three, but they were in it the whole game. Uh, they beat the Ravens. They uh, Against the Seahawks, they kind of dropped the ball, but the Seahawks do that to everybody. But they they have played they they play well at home. They they are a good home team, and that's one thing they kind of hang their hat on this year. And uh, I'll take the Forty ers to to hang around in it this this week too. So I'm going to take the Niners. You guys are taking both taking the Bengals. Hmm. Okay. The okay. Sunday night the Sunday night game. Yes, we're both we're both taking Bengals. Um. Arizona at Philadelphia. What do you got for us, Chuck? Cardinals are favored by three and, and a half. I I don't like it, but I'm going to roll Philly in this one. I just think the hook's too much. I think this is a three-point game. I think Arizona wins it by three. Um, they certainly looked mortal against the depleted Vikings uh, defense and not a very good Vikings offensive line. I know they made a big play to to uh, match that, but I think uh, I think Philly I think Philly hangs in this one. So I'm going to take Philly plus the three and a half points. 
Love a home team dog. At least one of them this week. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Arizona. I just don't think Philadelphia on defense has enough uh, weapons to slow down uh, the passing, not only the passing attack, but also David Johnson now that he's running the ball really well there. So I think Arizona wins this one pretty handily. The Philadelphia Eagles have played uh, – huh. They, they 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 play in the NFC East. They have not played that good of teams. Now they they you know played an elite team in the uh, Patriots and won with three defensive touchdowns. Um, I just uh, I, I put my faith in in Bruce Bruce Arians, and I am going to take the Cardinals in this one. Although Josh, you you may be uh, you may be right on this one. Uh, you know maybe three point game. Cardinals are going to win. I hope it's by more than three and a half, but I'm going to take the Cardinals. Okay. Um, last one, Monday night. Why don't you go first, Chuck, since you since you love this game. All so right. Much. Well, Drew Brees and the Saints are favored by three points against the Lions, and I, I just – this is one of those feeling games The, uh, the where the Saints are going to put on a show on this one. Um this may be the last time, or the, you know, one of the last few games that Peyton and Breeze are together. I'm looking for, you know, the the uh, the, the the Saints are out of it, so you're going to see a lot of footballs in the air. The over/under on this game, by the way, is 51, um, and they'll probably eclipse that pretty easily. I think, you know, remember how entertaining that Saints and Giants game was. Well, now you have the Lions and the Saints. It, it, this could be, you know, this could be like one of those, uh, like one of those uh, games you played out in the street, you know, where you, just, you know, you have no, you have no running game. You just try to hit receivers the whole game. Um, look for it to go over, and look for the Saints to uh, to win it by more than three. Okay. Um... I just don't have enough faith in the Saints' defense to to give them that many points. I know they're at home, but it's it's not an unfamiliar surface for Detroit. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Detroit. I had initially taken the Saints, but I'm going to take Detroit, and I don't like it at all. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm also taking Detroit just because their defense is better. New Orleans just that defense has been just terrible, terrible this year. So I have to go with the the team that's got a better defense when both teams have pretty solid offenses. Okay. Well, we did it. We got through every single game twice, um, which was fun, but a little tiring. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that, but still a lot of fun. Uh, as always, thank you to Chuck Podesty, our the Las Vegas voice of the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Next week we'll have our special Christmas show, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever well, that is. Jingle. Okay. okay um, thank, you. thank you, Chuck. Have a great one with us. It's been fun. Thanks. Uh, Nick, any closing thoughts? I uh, just want to wish everybody good luck. It's still live in the playoffs. I know uh, you and I both have teams that will be playing matchups this week as number one seed, so hopefully we can come out victorious and be playing for championships next week. Yes. Yes. And I, I got uh, an- another league that I only care about because there's money and more money involved than the rest of my league. So if I win 
if I'm this week, I'm guaranteed to win my money back. So um, even e- even more so, I guess I should say. So I'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, hope hope we uh, helped you out with all of our uh, cinnamon stardom madness. Um, if you have any have any suggestions or things that you'd like to see us do differently for uh, next week's show, as it's another important uh, championship week for you all, um, to, uh, let us know. Thank you, and uh, talk to you uh, next week as we bring you the Christmas edition of Cinema Stardom Madness. Uh, <laughs> thanks, folks. Have a great night. Stay. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.